Welcome to the job interview experience. Let's start off by reading a quick review from Carrie Gray. Carrie said, so helpful. These podcasts are wonderful. He offers great ideas and solutions as I'm preparing for my interview. Even just listening to these before I go to bed helps calm my nerves. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie, for your review. And if you're listening, you're tuning in, please leave a review. Yourself, Carrie's review is five stars. That's what I would love to see from you as well. Spotify now allows you to leave reviews. Go to your Spotify app. If you're listening, please give this five stars. Help bolster those up. I don't think it's gotten many yet because this is a new feature. Today, we have a Q&A that I think is going to be super helpful. It's going to cover a bunch of different topics. This came from a listener of the podcast. So just like you, this listener has been going through the process, has some questions. I get back to her and this has a great ending. We're going to talk about everything from declining offers, how to apply to jobs, whether you aim for things that you're overqualified for, underqualified for, getting back into the workforce after a break, and more. It will help listeners that currently have a job that may be or have sustained a job for a while. It will give you an idea of how to strategize taking a break, if you ever take one, and then returning to the workforce before you encounter the situation so you know what to do to prep before you get to this point. Since you're listening to this podcast, you are already ahead of the curve of improving your interview and taking control of your career. So great work on seeking out advice on how to improve your interview. And after listening today, you're going to be even better. Here's our listener question. Dear Matthew, first of all, thank you so much for your amazing job interview experience podcast. You are an amazing speaker. Well, I, you can see why I choose these emails to read. Thank you very much. Going back to the email, I'm about a month into the job search process and your insight is so valuable. I'm going to take your advice to heart and I know it will greatly improve my probability of landing a job. I had a very successful career early on from programmer to senior systems analyst in about eight years. Then for 20 years, I had my dream job as a homemaker. While I was a homemaker, I did some basic technical work with volunteer positions, substitute jobs, and even a part-time job. Now I'm struggling on how to get back into the workforce full-time and how to present myself and even what types of jobs to go for. Should I go for an entry-level one that I'm overqualified for just to get my foot in the door? Also, technology has changed so much, so my training is out of date. I'm working on online classes to refresh my skills. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you, Karen. Here's my response to Karen. I'm going to read Karen's questions point by point, and then I, I will give my answer after reading each one of her questions again. So point number one, I had a very successful career early on going from programmer to senior systems analyst in about eight years. Then here's my response. This is a great start having eight years those eight years of experience is huge, but even more important is the fact that you progressed. A recruiter or a manager for the position will see you as someone who has a lot to offer, but has even more potential down the road than you have today. In my opinion, great hires are based on skill, but I think the best hires, those decisions to hire them are made based off their skill and also their potential. Point number two. Karen says, then after 20 years, I had my dream job as a homemaker. I say, that's fantastic. In my profession, that's just awesome. I wouldn't shy away from the fact that you pursued 
what was on your heart. You pursued your life's calling. So few people do that. I'm impressed. You, you did what you wanted to do, and you're glad that you did so. And this can apply to listeners as well, whether you take a break in employment, you go hiking across wherever, or you go help someone. I get emails from people that helped a family member that was in need. Whatever you do, <laughs> this sounds cheesy, but follow your heart. Do, do what's on your heart. Any employer that doesn't appreciate that, that's their problem. Run away from them anyway. Don't shy away from the reasons that you were out of the workforce. Maybe it was a layoff, maybe it was the economy, maybe it was COVID, or maybe you decided to pursue something bigger. That is who you are, and that is part of your life and your story. Don't shy away from that. Point number three, while I was a homemaker, I did some basic technical work with a volunteer position, substitute jobs, and even a part-time job. Then I say the fact that you stayed active will make things much easier for you and anyone that's in this situation. During your interview, I would use this activity as evidence that you enjoy the work, the skill set, and the industry so much that you wanted to stay involved. It shows that you're connected to your work for more than just a paycheck. It's also a passion and something that you find invigorating. You, the listener, might prefer a better or different way to say this, to word it, but I've just given you an example of what you can say. The message should be that the work is something you enjoy doing, miss doing, and is part of who you are. People can relate to this. We see it all the time. Top athletes, athletes, for example, they retire from their, from their profession, but they rarely stop swimming or biking or playing basketball and so on. Yes, it was their job, but it's also something that they're good at, enjoy doing, and enjoy being good at. Different jobs, obviously this applies to differently. If, say, you're in customer service and you're answering the phones, you're not going to, if you take a break in employment, you're not going to walk into a building and answer the phones for them just for fun. But maybe just being pleasant to people is a part of your job you enjoy and you keep doing that. But then there's other things like computer programmers. I know many of them, many of them, whether it's while they're employed or within breaks of employment, they have projects that they love doing and working on with their free time. They love the type of work. They love the skill set that they have. So yes, it was their job. Yes, it was your job, but it's also something you're good at. Enjoy doing and enjoy being good at. <laughs> the few things that I'm actually good at, I really enjoy doing them because I'm somewhat good at them. Does that message make sense? This isn't, this isn't something you necessarily need to say in your interview during it, but it's important to know and to realize that there are things in life that we do, especially for work, that we can enjoy doing and keep doing outside of work. For listeners who are currently in a job or maybe in a part of their lives where they don't have a job, that's something that you can apply right now. Find ways to stay involved with your work, your career, your industry, anything that plugs you into the circle of what your skill set is. If you show that you stayed active in that area, it demonstrates to human resources and recruiters that this is part of who you are. Your skills and your lifestyle and your work all overlap. It's not something that you want to stop doing. To finish this answer, I also say that the work you've done over the last 20 years shows that you've worked to stay relevant, up-to-date, and familiar with, with the work. That helps you quite, quite a bit. It's just going to help you in your process. So this listener, Karen, kept up with 
her skill set, volunteered, and did work to stay in the know and to stay in the industry. Next point, I'm struggling on how to get back into the workforce full-time and how to present myself or even what types of jobs to go for. My answer first on how to present yourself, there should be a couple things to avoid. Avoid messages like, I'm just getting back to work because I need some money or I need to pay for someone's college or I want to buy a boat or a car or anything like that. This might be true and that's perfectly fine. Why else would we work? But it lacks a connection to the employer and it, it lacks a connection to the work. So you're basic, if you had that message, you would basically be saying, I don't want to be here. The only reason I'm here is because I need the money. Again, that's true. That's fine. But there should be something more. I want to be great at this. I, I, I love programming. I want to leave my mark on your company as being good at this. I love marketing, and I want to put my you know, touch on your company or some company. It lacks that connection. And you know, let's get into the dating examples, since I love to use those. Think of a first date. What if the person across the table from you said, on this first date, well, you know, I'm really just looking for someone to eat dinner with. That's not very intriguing, is it? It's certainly not romantic. A better answer to this is you're getting to know each other, and you say, or the person across from you says, I'm really glad we met. I want to get to know you better, and I can't wait to make memories with you and enrich our lives together. Let's go have fun. I don't know what your motivators are, but a good motivator is, again, the enjoyment of doing great work, helping a company, some type of connection. Find things you like about the company you're applying to, what they do, how they do it, how they treat you, and use this as a motivator. You want to help them achieve their goal, which you also find important. You can also share that over the years, you've had this building desire to get back into the field to produce work that you're proud of and impress your employer. That there's something rewarding about being good at something, doing work with those skills that helps in the organization, and most of all, being recognized for it. Part of that recognition is money. The other part is receiving feedback from coworkers or managers or whatever else that what you're doing is awesome. Next question, should I try for an entry-level job that I'm overqualified for just to get my foot in the door? Here's my answer. An important concept I want to remind job seekers of. Okay, so I didn't type this in the email. <laughs> I'm combining my email and now I'm just talking to you. An important concept I want to remind job seekers of and that they also often don't take to heart is that you have to apply for a lot of jobs. Applying for jobs is like a part-time job, just applying. Depending on your location, applying to at least five to 10 jobs in one sitting is a good start and then do it again the next day. Many people apply to four or five jobs and then stop until all those options are exhausted. They don't hear back from everyone. And then they don't hear back again. It burns up a lot of time. We had a guest on the other day that talked about how it's a numbers game. You just have to apply and apply and apply. Just like, heck, dating. Maybe you meet the person you really like and it's the first person you want to date with or maybe you have to date and date and meet nice people, but they're just not the right people for you. The company feels that way, and you'll also feel that way about companies. So you have to do a lot of applications. You have to do a lot of interviews. It's just the way it is. Every once in a while, some of us get lucky, and some of you will get lucky, and the one job you apply for is the one job you love. Don't count on it if you 
count on that happening. You will experience a lot of pain. The biggest pain point will be it will take you much longer to get a job and start getting that income that we all need. My advi- the other part of this answer, my advice would be to start off where you left in terms of the position and even shoot a little higher. So the question was about, do I, you know, do I apply for jobs I'm underqualified for? I would say no. It's just my advice. Aim a little higher than where you left off. Worst case scenario for the jobs that you're underqualified for is that you get a couple practice interviews that will make your later interviews seem even easier. I've had plenty of experience hiring candidates, applying for jobs that they're underqualified for, but then I would see a great cultural fit. I would see how awesome this person is and then just redirect them to another position that's a perfect fit or a much better fit for them. And so a lot of times that job also paid more than they were expecting. It just wasn't the highest job they applied for. And sometimes that position that's the the great fit for them, that's a different job, that's a lot of times that position was part of future planning and it wasn't even posted online yet. And this can be true for you as well. So no one knew it existed except for the people internally as we're developing it. Someone would apply and we'd say, hey, they're a little underqualified for this, but they're perfect for this new thing we're working on. All of this to say, you, you won't know until you try. One of my favorite quotes is, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So try and aim high, maybe not for every position, but for a lot of them. Aim at your level or higher. And I think you'll surprise yourself. You'll be surprised with what a great response you get. And now the last part of Karen's question, she said, also technology has changed so much. So my training is out of date. I'm working on an online course to refresh my skills. If Karen hadn't said this, it would have been one of my top, probably my first recommendation. While applying and looking at job descriptions, keep an eye out for patterns of computer programs, certifications, even classes online things that are recommended or you think would fit well with the job. If you can put some time into those now, it will help you stand out. It looks really good on your resume and it'll get you more relevant to whatever technology or best practices are currently the thing today, which is always changing. That was the end of that email. And I asked Karen uh, to send over more, you know, if she had any more questions to send those over. So here's part two um, of some different interview and workforce questions I think you'll find really helpful. Here's the next question. Karen said, most times there's not enough information in the job description to know what is a fair salary for the position. I just Google salary ranges, take my best guess, and put something in about, I write something in about being open to negotiation. Any tips on this? My response is, this is a tough one. Glassdoor can give some insight on salaries at large companies. But that's not a sure thing. This is just the way companies like to hire now. They like to keep their salaries and salary ranges private. Sometimes it's as much for internal reasons as external reasons. Maybe the position that's newly listed online pays more than what some employees at that same title or role are earning. The best thing you can do is wait for the recruiter to bring up the salary and give them your honest range. That can either be they can either just you know, say, okay, let you know that it's above what they're looking to do or increase their offering if they think you're the perfect fit. Next question. Also, what is the best way to decline a job offer? Last week, I was on a phone interview and was told 
the salary, which was extremely low. I told her, I love your company and what you're doing to the community, but I was hoping for more pay with my experience. Are there any other positions that are available? There weren't any that were in my area, so I said, thank you so much for your time. This position doesn't sound like a good fit for me, but good luck in your search to find someone. Any tips for this? And I respond, that was a perfect response. And for the listeners listening, you're all worried about the salary, finding it out, whatever. It sounds pretty painless. Karen handled this like a top professional. She said, this isn't the right fit. Wish you the best. Oh, by the way, is there anything else that is a fit for me? Again, you don't know until you ask. You can't say it any better than Karen said. The great thing about this response, and I'll give you some kind of inside baseball on how hiring works at companies, they might have internal discussions and realize they won't find the talent they need at their current salary range. So then they will decide to increase it. That can result in a return phone call to see if you're interested. I've had those meetings. There's nothing wrong with remaining firm in your salary requirements and letting them know you'd like to keep the door open if anything changes on their side of things. So I'll I'll explain this again. At some companies, and I've like I said, I've been in these I've been in these meetings. They have an open position. They keep finding people that they really like. And those people keep declining the job because it doesn't pay well enough. So then there's a meeting internally, probably with ownership, leadership, department managers, recruiters. And they discuss why, basically the question is, why is it taking so long to fill this position? What are the current obstacles? And it's shared that people are actually declining the position because it doesn't pay well enough. So it's not that they can't find someone who's, it's not that they can't find qualified people. So they're finding qualified people, but the salary range is off. Then it's decided, hey, maybe we should increase the budget for this by five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars per year to find the right person, or increase th- that um, that same amount to hire that candidate that we really liked, which would be Karen. We have to move forward and fill this job. Let's get it done. Go offer that person. Go offer Karen fifteen thousand dollars more than what we were offering initially, and it's actually over a little bit over. What she was asking for, everyone's going to be really happy. Let's get done. We need this person yesterday. This can result in them calling you back. I've made those phone calls and shared and basically said to the candidate, hey, we were able to adjust the salary for this. We'd really like to see you working for our company. Let me know if this adjustment would make this job appealing for you and that you know if this number is something that you'd say yes to. About a month after my conversation with Karen, Karen followed up. Here's her email. Matthew, last week I accepted a job offer. The advice you gave definitely played a factor in landing this job. Thank you. Congratulations, Karen. Thanks for your email. Thanks for the great content that we're able to share with our listeners. If you're currently out of a job or you're in a crappy job, you can take some of this to heart as far as staying relevant in your industry, finding ways to stay involved, and continue working on improving your skills. And I I said those types of jobs, out of a job or crappy job. Maybe you're in a great job, but it doesn't pay well enough. Or maybe you're just strategizing. How do I take my career to the next level? I think all of this will help. I know it's tricky with what types of jobs to apply to. Do you apply for jobs you're overqualified for or underqualified for just to get your foot in the door? Or do you apply for jobs at the same level or above? Depending on your skills and where you are in your career, and because you're listening to this podcast, aim high, believe in yourself, give it a shot. If you don't, like I said, if you don't aim high, 
you're only going to get what you're what you apply for and nothing more. And again, if you're a little bit underqualified, worst case scenario, the interviews will be tough. They'll, they might be a little harder, but you'll learn from them. It'll make you better. Be great practice. And it'll make later interviews seem easier, which is even better. But you might just surprise them. And they might really like you. They might really believe in what you'll be able to do, not just what your resume says. And they might really like some certain skills or characteristics you have. And maybe you'll end up with a dream job that's an awesome fit for you. And the company is even happier than you are. Both parties are happy. They fill the position with someone they really like. And you secure a job at an awesome company with a better salary than you expected. That's rewarding and you're proud of. Thanks for listening to the job interview experience. Hope this listener question and answer makes an impact on you and your job search. Gives you some confidence. Gives you some skills and some ideas on how to go out there and get it done. This episode is brought to you by CandidateClub.com. Check out CandidateClub.com for interview training that I created. If you think this episode's good, you'll think Candidate Club is awesome. They're monthly subscriptions to interview training packages that covers everything you need to know and a little bit more. I give a ton of inside insight from my experience in the industry. Check out CandidateClub.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of your week.